Welcome to Junior Doctors Corner, the podcast that helps medical students and junior doctors like yourself not only survive but thrive in your careers. We cover topics including doctor well-being, career, and life outside of medicine. My name is Dana and I am your host for this podcast. Are you ready for a healthy dose of support, motivation, and inspiration? Then let's start this episode stat. Hello and welcome back to Junior Doctors Corner. In today's episode, I interviewed Dr. Lily Vertick, the plastic surgeon extraordinaire. She talks to me about the importance of having a hobby and how music plays a very important part of her life and her career as a plastic surgeon. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Dr. Lily Vertick. Thank you so much for joining me on Junior Doctors Corner. Thank you very much for having me. So for those of the listeners who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, can you please tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I was actually born in Taiwan and I migrated to Hobart and grew up in Perth and now I live in Brisbane. Um, I actually graduated from the University of Western Australia in the late 90s. Um, So that's how old I am. You can work that out. (laughs) And um, I've been a specialist plastic surgeon for about, um, for over 10 years now. Um, I do a lot of stuff in and out of medicine. Um, I do clinical stuff for medicine and I do a lot of teaching, medical legal work and mentoring and education. Um, but outside medicine, I'm pretty much involved in a lot of other things. Like I do, I belong to a martial arts club. I do dancing. I do performing for that. I play the music and part of that I also um, being the marketing manager for the Queensland Medical Orchestra for about five years now. Yeah. Oh, wow. You, it yeah. sounds like you're a very busy woman. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, if you want something done, you ask a busy person. So that's the way <laughs> I look at it. <laughs> so before we delve a bit more into what Queensland Medical Orchestra is about, can you please share with us how your love of music came about? Yeah, well, I was actually really lucky um, when I was growing up as a kid in Taiwan. So I didn't migrate until I was about 10. Um, I grew up in this apartment block and two floors down from us was a um, couple who were married and they were music teachers and their children were the same age as us. So we all went to the same school and hung out and I used to hang out in the apartment all the time. Um, They used to have a lot of musicians coming and going for lessons, rehearsals. They have little house gatherings that turned out to be this full-on concert. She had like two grand pianos in her little apartment. And she actually, the lady actually eventually became a piano teacher. And so as far as I remember that, I just remember this childhood that just is constantly surrounded by music. And it wasn't even because my parents were musical, it was simply because I was living really close to this music family. So, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> most of, um, well, when I went through school still, there were a lot of kids because I'm, I'm from Malaysia originally and uh, oh, yeah. a lot of parents who are still forcing yeah. their kids to do music. Yeah, it's very much an Asian tiger mom thing, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Is that, you know, you got to learn music, yeah. And it was a bit of that, but um, I think I actually wanted to go to those music lessons because it was like going to my friend's house, hang out after school. You know, I used to hang out there even when I didn't have music lessons so it was pretty cool yeah oh that's good and so you've talked a bit about you believe that having something like music in your life is so important um when you did your talk at the Queensland Medical Women's Society um dinner meeting um Mm. so how does this how does music play a role in your career and in your life in general 
Yeah, so, you know, I think having something outside work and having a passion outside your work is actually really important and it's important in lots of aspects. So, I mean, firstly, you know, it's a social thing. So first, it gives me the opportunity to mix with people who are like-minded. Sometimes, you know, doing musical stuff or even dance stuff, I talk to non-medical people and I do socialise with them. It gives... I think it gives a doctor especially a really good sense of perspective. You know, there's life outside medicine. This is how other people live because we actually live a very different lifestyle. Mm. Um, it keeps me grounded to the real world. Um, in a, improves my ability to relate to patients. It also really helps me to see how non-medical people see the world. Um, so it helps you to kind of explain things to patients sometimes as well. Apart from it gives me an opportunity to go away from work, which is great, um, but it actually fulfills a different part of my life. So it gives you a different type of satisfaction. You know, it's, it's very different to doing like the perfect surgery or having a great outcome for a patient. Um, it fulfills a different part of my psyche. And you'll find, I find that, you know, doing music or things outside work, exercises a different part of my brain and you learn to develop very new skills, different skills. But mainly, I think the most important thing is that, um, and I remember this from a talk I went to in the College of Surgeons. Um, apparently, the American Board of Surgeons did a study and it showed that doctors who have hobbies and interests or surgeons who have hobbies and interests have a much better quality of life and satisfaction post-retirement, which is really interesting because I think having our interest outside medicine contributes to our sense of identity of who we are. It adds to the purpose to life in general. So when people ask, you know, if people ask you, who are you, right, a lot of people would actually answer by their profession. So they'll say, mm -hmm. I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, yep. I'm an engineer, you know, like I'm a medical student, you yep. know, I'm a you know, doctor who works here mm -hmm. because they identify with their work, don't they? Mm -hmm. um, but if you have a passion outside work, it separates your identity from your job because to me, being a plastic surgeon is what I do, but not who I am. Yeah. Okay. And and I think in a career point of view, it doesn't. I don't think it matters what you do for a living. But in a high sort of um, a very high end of professionals, I think it's important to have something outside work because if something did come up and affected the ability of my ability to work or to work in the field that I really want to work in. I don't lose my identity. I'm still me. I have something else in my life that fulfills me. Mm. And, um, you know, we, we need to have a passion outside work to create the balance in our lives. Mm. Um, and I think I'm just lucky. I'm passionate about my work, but I also have plenty of things outside work that motivates me mm. and sort of fulfill me in other ways that work doesn't, you know. So that's why it's important, I think. Thank you for that. That's really good advice. Um, I'm just also wondering if you mind sharing a little bit about um, the story that you told, how you got into Juilliard and how you had to make a decision between music and medicine. Yeah, so, you know, when <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny story because I remember going through all these auditions and stuff like that and trying to get a scholarship into to, to music in university and, you know, going through the slog and the multiple levels of um, competition. So you got the regionals and then the state and the international, um, the, the national finals and stuff like that. And um, 
and you've got this goal that I'm going to get a scholarship and I'm going to this fantastic music school. I could choose where I wanted to go to, but you'll be a world-class university, etc. And at the end of it, you know, I got the scholarship um, and, you know, I said to my mum, goes, oh, this is so fantastic. You know, I'm thinking of New York and I want mm. to choose Juilliard, etc." Mother just said to me, goes, well, no, you, you're not you're not going to music, you're going to do medicine or lawyer or, you know, something that is a stable job, you know. And and my dad used to say that, you know, medicine is something you do when you're bare feet and pregnant. Um, <laughs> so it's it's um, it's it was very disappointing. And I said to my parents, and oh, in that case, then why did you drive me so hard to do well in music if at the end of the day I've achieved this and then you are not supportive of me to go ahead with it. And my mother actually said to me, goes, well, if you didn't do music, what do you, do you, you know, where would you be nowadays? I think where you're going to be because music has contributed a lot to, you know, if you've been learning it since where you're little, contributes a lot of the discipline that I had, you know, discipline that initially was installed by and reinforced by other people, but you learn discipline yourself. You know, you know, you got to practice to get where you are. You know, you got to do things to improve. Um, you can learn from criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't learn to turn away from it or ignore it because you know when the piano teacher or some master class teacher tells you that you're not doing this right, and if you do it this way, it will be a lot better. And then you realize, oh yeah, that is actually correct. I got to listen and I got to accept feedback. Mm. And, you know, there were times when I kind of learn a piece and I go, oh, gosh, my hand's not big enough. I can't reach that many notes at the same time. But you learn innovative ways around it. You know, the notes that you can either cut out, that's not important, or you can use a different technique to try and reach that sort of goal. Mm. Um, so you become quite innovative um, and, you know, you can, you, you know, if you work hard enough, you can get where you are. So I think my mother was right that music is actually contributed to the way I view work in general hmm. or anything that I undertake and that you've got to work really hard at it and you've also, if once you've worked really hard at it, um, you can actually achieve what you want to. And she's proved that by me getting the scholarship. So I think I think that that's what music's done for my career. I mean, very disappointed, I have to admit, um, that I didn't do it, but I'm kind of also glad for their advice because, you know, I have a lot of colleagues or friends who were doing music at the time. They got scholarships. They went on mm. to do music. But it's very, very far in, in between that they actually become famous concert pianists yeah. or got to actually do what they love, which is performing. majority of them are teaching kids who don't want to learn. And, you know, there's a few that's doing waitressing in between, you know, gigs in orchestras. So it's a hard life as a musician, I think. Well, it's great to hear that you got to take the principles that you learned from, you know, um, growing up doing music and apply it to medicine. Um, And it's also great to hear that whilst you're a plastic surgeon instead of a a pianist um you still managed to incorporate music into your life and um and I, from my understanding you've poured a lot of that into QMO yeah I have yeah and and you know that's the great thing about QMO it is a fantastic outlet for doctors who are musical and it's it's phenomenal how many doctors out there are musical and I think and I think that kind of reflects what I was saying about you know people who learn music have a specific mindset yeah. and that's why they do achieve in life, you know? 
Yeah. So please tell us a bit more about the Queensland Medical Orchestra. What instruments do you play on it? And, you know, how can some of our listeners local to Brisbane can get involved? Oh, it's, it's a great a great thing, isn't it? I, to be very honest with you, um, just so that everyone's aware, um, people who are not in Queensland, there's actually a medical orchestra in every state. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's the Western Australian Doctors' Orchestra, New South Wales Doctors' Orchestra, etc. Anyway, in Queensland, we have a medical orchestra and choir. We're slightly different. We are actually a charity organisation, so mm-hmm. it's free to join and we don't have to pay anything. And we're actually comprised of health professionals, not just doctors, okay, okay, in all stages of their careers. So we have students to retired specialists. We have everything from nurses, dentists, allied health doctors to, like, academic professors. Um, we have over 600 members on our books, mm-hmm. and we have we pulled together a full symphony orchestra from those members and a choir for each concert. So we do three concerts a year. And we put a concert, and that one concert is on usually on a Sunday, and that concert will raise money for a charity that we choose. Hmm. Um, it's really easy to join. So all you have to do is to visit our website, which is um, www.qmo.org.au. And if you click on join our family, it's literally just a stepwise form that you fill out. Now, we know that you know, health professionals are very busy with their jobs. You know, some people do shift work, et cetera. So the um, commitment is actually not that onerous for the orchestra. We only rehearse five weekends before each concert, so that's like five Sundays. Mm-hmm. And um, all the members, like, they have the flexibility of choosing which concerts throughout the year that they want to sign up for and what rehearsals they can attend. Um and um, our first concert's actually coming up end of March and rehearsal starts in two weeks. So there's still plenty of time to join and play if you want to do that this year. Yeah. <laughs> and so are tickets also available through the website? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So our um, general, um, our audience is actually a very interesting mix of people. So there's a lot of um, medical students actually, um, but all our colleagues, our families and our patients. Like we have a really big oh. fan base of our yep. patients, which mm-hmm. is really lovely. And the atmosphere is very different because the audience is a lot more encouraging. So they're there to have a good time, you know, watch their doctor or, you know, their family members perform and yep. it's very encouraging. It's fantastic. So which charity have you guys chosen for the concert in March? Yeah, so the concert in March, um, we are playing um, blockbuster movies and stage show music. So, you okay. know, like orchestral music from Star Wars, etc. Oh, yeah. The charity with, <laughs> yeah, so Star Wars, Mission Impossible, you know, like all the big hits, Lord of Rings, etc. Um, anyway, so we are supporting CHIRF, C-H-I-R-F. So that's actually a rural um medical community initiative. Um, so if you remember the bushfires, Malakuta yep. was actually um, isolated by the bushfires and their medical centre or their um, their medical community um, basically had to turn into this hospital for locals because they couldn't get to other medical help. Anyway, so um, and they don't get any funding from the government, um, only from um, rural schemes. So um, and they need fund, uh, mon- funding to rebuild and to expand to provide things like mental health, new services for the larger community that they serve in that area. We thought they're a really great charity to support because you know after what they've been through with bushfires, it's 
it, you know, it must have been horrendous and it's a great opportunity for them to rebuild and expand. Wow, that is definitely a worthy cause. So I hope some of our listeners will be able to attend the concert in March. And yeah. so and the music is great too. So. Yeah. <laughs> so what instrument will you be playing for that concert? Well, usually I play the flute. Um, mm-hmm. But we haven't. We have this um, disease in our orchestra called hyperflutosis. Oh, okay, which means that there's usually like a million flutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so and which we love because um, we're a really fun group of um, people. And um, so sometimes I play the flute, sometimes I play the piano, sometimes I actually sing in the choir. Okay. Um, yeah, so in this concert, I think I'll be playing the flute because we don't have as many flutes at, in this concert. <laughs> but we do tend to have this problem with hyperflutosis, yes. <laughs> so it's a very popular instrument, is it? It is, actually, yeah, yeah. Okay, so last question that I ask all my guest speakers, can you please mm-hmm. name one or two things, and I think there's a very obvious answer what one of them is, that keep you sane in your crazy busy life? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, music's definitely one of them. Um, I mean, I dance a lot as well, which is good. And um, I use martial arts and sort of gym exercises to sort of um, sort out my stress level. So I think exercise is fantastic for stress, you know. But I have to say, with that question, I have to turn around and, you know, because I got asked that before once and I don't think I answered it very well. So I'm going to answer it slightly differently this time. Is one of the things that keep me sane is actually my values. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two strong values that I that I find keeps me grounded, and okay. one is integrity and one mm-hmm. is kindness. Mm-hmm. So when I feel lost during a decision making process, so when I'm going through a hard time or have a very difficult decision to make, I always return to the two questions that I ask myself: is what is the right thing to do, mm-hmm. and what is the kind thing to do. Mm. Okay. And I always think that that kindness has to include myself. So mm-hmm. I don't just think about doing things for everybody else but not myself. And sometimes it's not the things that keep me sane but the people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think in jobs like ours where it's really high stress and you are actually, you can be sort of attacked personally by people around you, that you surround yourself with people that you really trust, people you really love and people that you can rely on. Um and to me, um, these people that I've got around me are my rocks, you know. They're, they're the foundations of my life and they shelter me as much as I support them. Mm. And you get as much um, satisfaction from supporting them and looking after them as they do looking after you. Yeah. And I feel extremely lucky that I have these people in my life. And to me, when the life gets overwhelming or busy, I sit down and sort of prioritise things, as people do. You know, people make lists and they think about the decisions they have to make. And it always comes down to two, the two types of people that I have to prioritise in my life, okay, and my patients and my close-knit of group, um, my close-knit group of family and friends. Mm. So the decision becomes very simple because I just need to focus on the things that will benefit these two groups of people and do it with integrity and kindness. And I think, um, you know, instead of things, I think it is actually the values and the people that keeps me um, sane and keeps me anchored, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Dr. Lily Vertic, and thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. That's all right. That's a pleasure. Thank you for the privilege. I I, I feel it's really cool that somebody wants to know what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs>
If you really like that episode, please don't forget to leave a review on iTunes to help a sister out. And don't forget to subscribe to our email list so that you never miss an episode. 